Hello and welcome, everybody. This is the Postdoc PT Experience, episode 16. Today, I am joined by our co-host, Dr. Matt Mary, and we're going to talk about residency application season. That time is upon us, Matt. So with that, we're going to move right into it. We're going to talk about not only the process that the application goes through and the differences maybe between certain residencies, but also what they're looking for on the other side, as well as interview tactics. And we'll get to that more at the end. Today is the 12th of November, 2020. I am in my last month of residency, finishing up with my research manuscript for my requirements for ortho residency and started studying for the OCS actually two days ago. So Matt just moved on Saturday to Delaware. He is starting his new job soon, date TBD, Delaware, hurry up on his license, please. So without further ado, this is the postdoc PT experience. So Matt, Nick. I know you love when I teach you something, right? I love learning new things. I love when you teach me. <laughs> <laughs> I love learning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, really quick. We're going to talk about the Instapot. Have you ever heard of an Instapot before? I've never heard of the Instapot. What is that? So it's this cross between a crock pot, a skillet, and a uh, pressure cooker. It's a brand name. But at the same time, just because it's app season doesn't mean it's not another type of season. Do you know what other type of season I'm thinking of, Matt? Oh, I know exactly what type of season you're talking what about. What type of season am I talking about? Nick, it's bulking season. It is bulking season, baby. So with that, you need your rice. You need your chicken. Staples of the diet, right? For sure. But the thing is, cooking rice takes maybe like 10, 12 minutes on the stove. It's not bad. It takes some yeah, time though. Convenient. You got to boil the water, then it's got to simmer. Blah blah blah. Cooking chicken's not great. It could dry out. You know, it takes time in the oven. If you're gonna roast it, you have to heat up, heat up the oven. Blah blah blah. Well, the Instapot solves all of your issues. Okay. I feel like I'm listening to an infomercial right now. <laughs> <laughs> Order in the next five minutes, and you <laughs> we'll throw in. <laughs> no, but you can cook chicken. So what I do personally. I cook about five pounds at a time and you just literally throw it in with a, two cups of water, some seasoning, whatever sauce you want on it, whatever. And you put it on for about 30, 35 minutes. Boom. Leave it. Don't touch it. Come back. Nice and moist, not dry at all. Fantastico. I think I'm sold. I, uh, I'm tired of overcooked chicken in the oven when I forget about it all the time. <laughs> It takes two seconds. And the bonus is that rice, right? You can cook rice in three minutes. What do yeah, you that's pretty awesome. That's pretty legit. So moral of the story, get an Instapot for Delaware. Sold. No sales tax over there too. So it's going to be cheaper. It'll be cheaper. So what are we talking about today, Matt? Uh, I think it would be fun to dive into some uh, application process because it is that time of year. It is that time of year. It's app season, baby. It is. So talk to me, let's, let's just break this down for our people. Talk to me about the application itself. Talk to me about RFPTCast. Sure. What do you know? What do you remember? So what I remember about it is that 
it's a little overwhelming at first, uh, but once you get settled in, it, it actually is. Uh, is set up pretty nicely and conveniently. So what I remember about it is that there's this general overview information that you're inputting. Uh, demographics, I guess, would be the word. Um, yep. So who you are, where you come from, what your education was, uh, internships, the things you were involved in. Uh, Honors, accolades. Yep. Awards, recognitions, all, all that fun stuff. Um, you didn't say anything then... about an award. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, always quoting movies. <laughs> Name the um, movie. I don't know. My brain's tired. I studied for three and a half hours. Oh, come on. It's the Grinch. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's okay, point. sorry. Move on. No, uh, and then, so also what I remember them is that there are slight differences between programs. Yep. So the first half of the application is all similar. All of that information goes out to all the programs you apply to. And then each program kind of works with RFPTCast to determine uh, what they want that second portion of the application to be. Um, and I do yeah. remember across the board, there were a lot of similarities as far as essay questions go, uh, but there are subtle differences as well. Sure. And I, I, think, I think you hit on a key point. There's two main sections, let's call it, for the application. It's that general section, which should be the same for everybody. And then it's that residency or fellowship or PhD, whatever you're doing, specific section where the program is going to ask what they really want to know. The cool thing about that is I've had some insider information. I can share it. Don't worry. Okay. It's just the, the directors of all those residency programs, they have a coalition. They have a, a manner and a method and they communicate with each other. So with that, they share all their information. They share what they're looking for, what, what their pitfalls have been with interviews, where they've really succeeded. So that really helps them narrow down maybe the interview questions and especially like similar residencies. So if you're thinking a university-based hospital system residency, those are going to be, at least from what I understand, more of the same, whereas a private practice might do something a little bit differently versus mm -hmm. some other type of residency. But at least that's, that's what we know from the start is they're all communicating. They're all looking for similar things, like you said, but like also you said, there's subtle differences that fits to each program. What, uh, what do you remember about the essays themselves? Yeah, so the biggest thing about the essays is they're, they're, op they're pretty open-ended um, as far as what I remember, but they're designed to be open-ended. They're looking for your story as far as the essays go. Mm -hmm. um, and, but they're not so open-ended that they're completely off touch from each other. Um, I think they're looking at specific things. I think you made a really good point there. And I just want to emphasize this for people listening. The story. If you don't take anything besides those two words out of this podcast, remember the story. They're looking for a story. Tell them that story. Right. What do you mean by that? Can you elaborate? Yeah. So like you were just saying, like they're open-ended questions. They want to get to know who you are. It's, it's hard to do that over text medium. But if we're thinking about essay-wise, they're, they're looking into your why, essentially. 
Why do you want to do a residency? Why do you want to go into this specific specialty? All those things are encompassed. Right. But if you take a, if you take a step back, so that's your essay section, then you have to pull from your resume slash, we'll call it what you said before the demographics section, or just like the basic information about you a little, it's, I can't, can't think of what I'm trying to say here. What I'm trying to say is that you need to connect those two, right? Those two need to tell the same story. Mm-hmm. So I've been lucky enough to actually have gone through this process on the other end, at least here at Ohio state, when the new batch of residents come in, we're still here. It's a longer process. We have that 16 to 18 months of residency, but we bring in new residents every year. So there's the overlap, right? So not only does the residency faculty all look at the stuff and, and grade your essays, grade your applications, grade your resumes, but in our situation, they look to the senior residents to give some input as well. So I've had some exercise in reading these applications. And the biggest thing that is like a major red flag right away, if it doesn't meet up is, does your resume tell the same story as your essays? And does that tell the same story as who you are in person? If you actually get to the interview, if those Mm -hmm. three things match up, that's a big positive check mark in your name. If what they are, don't. What are some things you're looking for specifically to determine if their story is consistent across those areas? So I, I would say first it's because you get this PDF document, like you're going to fill out that RFPT cast document online. You're going to fill out the specific section for the residencies. You're going to put in all your documents and you're going to upload them. But what the person's going to see on the other side is just this long list of just everything, the demographic information, your resume, your essay questions, your, um, your letters of recommendation, how they rate you in those letters of recommendation. Like that's just one document. It's a lot of information. Yeah, it certainly is a lot. Right? We're not all perfect. Nobody reads every single last line of every single detail. So at least my personal opinion was going right to the essays. Going right to the essays, looking for their story. Do they even tell a story? Does it make sense? Can I get a feel of who the person is? Why are they doing this? What are their passions? What what drives them to consider residency and not only what drives them to consider residency, but what drives them to consider residency at this particular institution. Right. So going there, then going back and reading the application and seeing, Oh, let's say Johnny really loves research and like is really looking forward to the research opportunities at Ohio state. But then you go back and you look at the resume you look at the, the demographic information, Johnny hasn't done any research. Right. Or Johnny just did a, a requirement in PT school where he had to do a case study for his capstone project. And that's it. That's not lining up, right? right. If, if you're that passionate, you're going to seek out other opportunities. So that's just one small example. You can do that for 
any of the above topics. Right. I mean, I think that that's a really, really good example, though, because I feel like or I feel as students, it's very easy to write down the buzzwords that you think that these programs are looking for. We love buzzwords. But, but not forget or forgetting that you don't have anything in your resume to show that you're truly passionate about that thing that you just said you were. A hundred percent. So sign up for these volunteer events, right? Put your time in things outside of class. If you're really looking for getting into uh, a, a residency, everybody has good grades that are getting to the point where you're screening the process. Good grades are important. Everybody has good grades though. And you know what? It's not even the biggest thing. Like I feel at least from, from what I saw, I saw ranges between like three, five to four L. Right. If, yeah. if you're in that range and your essays and your resume and the, I would say the other important thing is the recommendation letters. If they all match up, Sure. And tell the same story. I'm going to value you so much more than this person who has a 4.0, but at the same time, hasn't done anything outside of school, has done what they're required to do, is really passionate about learning. Like, I'm going to think, great, they're, they're a good student. So what? Right. I'd exactly. rather take, I'd rather take Paulina, who has that 3.5, than Johnny, who has that 4.0, but nothing to back that up. Right. And I think that that's also a really good point you make, because a lot of these programs aren't looking for people that know everything already. They're looking for people that are truly passionate about the area they're going into. So, for example, orthopedics, because that's Mm -hmm. what both of us decided to go into. They're looking for people that say that they're passionate about orthopedics, but also back it up with the things that they're doing rather than just being perfect students. What is what does passion for, for your specialty mean to you? How do you relate yeah. that? That's a great question. So in my experience with passion, um, it's hard to verbalize <laughs> <laughs> what it don't, means. Don't go into a long soliloquy. Oh, I'm not going into passion. A... P is for perseverance. <laughs> yeah. So no, <laughs> you want an acronym? <laughs> yeah. No. So basically boiling it down into a super simple way is I know who I am and what I am doing. What, what I know my why. Yep. And for me, passion brings itself out as in it's not work to me. Learning these things is not, it does not feel like work. It is not a chore. Mm-hmm. I feel like I am at, I don't want to say I'm at home, but I'm, it's where I'm most comfortable. And it's, it's where I'm constantly looking for opportunities to either learn more or give back or really just go above and beyond the, all the text on a piece of paper that says you have to meet A, B, C, D requirements. Passion is being so enveloped in something because you truly care about it and you want to be the best at whatever area you want to go into. Or not even be the best, but learn more and, and dive deeper into right. it. Never think, stop learning. I think what you, what you said, and we, we've repeated this already, so this is another important thing. So the first important thing was tell your story, okay? 
another thing that you just said that really hits home with this passion is know your why. Of course. And that's not easy to do. That involves some self-reflection that involves actually sitting down, getting your distractions away from you and just thinking, why am I doing this? And it's not a bad thing to know what you want to do. Right. Right. And a lot of people are like, well, I want to keep my options open and I don't need to know what I want to do. That's the great thing about PTs is you can always transfer. And yeah, that's, that's the wonderful thing about physical therapy in our profession. But at the same time, we've probably talked about this a little bit before. I think we all deserve it to our patients to buck up and to commit. Sure. And to have and find that passion within our profession. It's not just a career that you're going into. It's a profession. Right. Right. And I think going off of knowing your why, I think the hardest part with that is most students subconsciously have a reason for why they're in PT school. I think putting it into words and bringing it up to your conscious mind is the hardest part for a lot of people. And your why can change. So me applying for residency, my why was significantly longer than it is now. Yep. My why right now is to make a difference. What are you making a difference then? Everything that I do, I want to make a difference. Awesome. That's short, sweet to the point. What was your why before? What was your why going into PT school? A paragraph. (laughs) (laughs) So you boiled things down to the most important. Exactly. And I think that's the hardest thing to do is, oh, like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. Like all these things sound great, but that's the hardest thing is simplifying and understanding yourself to the core. And it sounds like that's what you've done. Absolutely. Awesome. So, so taking that why statement and showing it in your story. And you know what? If your why is I want to help people, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You hear all the time that like, don't be cliche and don't say, no, oh, sure. I'm doing this because I want to help people. Right. Obviously have some more substance to it. Yeah. <laughs> a reason behind why you want to help people or who you want to help or, or something. There's got to be more to it than say, I just want to help people. That's why I'm going to do residency. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's nice. <laughs> but it's still a good, it's a good thing. I think it's really important to have that compassion and really wanting right. to make a difference. Yeah, so, I would be actually a little bit concerned if you uh, didn't want to help people. <laughs> you're, you're right. You're right. And this, this kind of roundabout takes it back to a point that you made probably a couple minutes ago where it's residencies aren't looking for somebody that knows everything. If you know everything, what are we going to teach you in residency? Exactly. They're looking for a mind that is willing at least the ones that I have understood more of the university based hospital systems. They're looking for minds that are willing and able to be molded. Do you take criticism? Well, do you respond? Well, do you have good stress management skills? Like all of these things file in under that big, broad sense. Right. Again, they're, they're kind of, to simplify it, they're looking at you as a person and who are you, basically. 
Yep. So know your why, know your story. Who are you as a person? Blah, blah, blah. We could go on forever about this, but that's, if we're going to simplify it down, we're going to boil it down for your application process. What should be in the back of your mind while you're writing your essays? What should be in the forefront of your mind when you're organizing your resume? You got it right there. Yep. 100%. Cool. Is there, is there anything else we need to say about this application? I mean, the application itself is pretty straightforward. Um, the, the best way to, to learn more about it is just, just be immerse yourself in the application itself. Um, it's pretty straightforward as far as the instructions. And um, the biggest thing is, I think, is just looking up the schools that you're, or not necessarily schools because there's private practices as well, is know the programs yes. that you're applying to before you apply. Yes. It's not a bad idea to reach out to them before and ask questions. I think that that's a key. I'm pretty sure that I reached out to all of the programs that I applied to before I applied. I did not, but it would be, it would have been a better idea for me to do so now that I think (laughs) back on it. It's not necessary, obviously, but it's something that if you can understand the program's why, because they have a why too. Sure. They're not just doing this residency just well, because. The, the good programs, I think, have a why. Sure. The other ones are just in it for money. Maybe. Maybe a little bit. Just high, cheap labor. <laughs> Something that looks good for, uh, for marketing. <laughs> no, but, but is, it's understanding at the core what the program that you're looking into values as well. Sure. So... I think this is a nice bridge into, into the interview, right? So I still want to stay on the application side for now, but I think this is going to transition really nicely into the interview. And if you're thinking about the specifics and you jog my mind of this, Matt, if, if you're thinking about the specific categories and the specific essays and what's going on at the individual level for the, each program that you're applying to, I would say tailor number one, your resume, towards what that program's looking for. Sure. So let's say here at Ohio State, we value clinical mentoring, teaching, and research pretty much all equally under the same umbrellas. So in, in my resume to Ohio State, if I was to write it again, it would be more so hitting on, on the top, clinical experiences, teaching experiences, whether it doesn't like, obviously they know you're not a teacher, but have you tutored? Have you volunteered your time at a pro bono clinic? Like, like little things like that, that you can translate and tell them why this translates into teaching or like the research part. Like there's your top three categories right. in your resume. Like that's the first thing they're going to see. That should be the most important. Whereas if, if it's a private practice or another, and I'm just making this up because I don't know exactly what you're applying to guys, but if their focus is somewhere else, let's say their focus is sports rehab. Mm-hmm. Show them your sports rehab focused items first. Tailor right. each one. I don't know about you, but I had... I applied to four different residency programs. I had four different resumes that 
I had that I sent out to each. Yeah, so I'm a little bit different because I feel like this fits into the what I know now and what I wish I knew then. Yes. Um, <laughs> so each of us have that. Yeah. Right? Like so, you sent out those letters. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we Dumbass all have Nick our didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, my resume was actually pretty similar to all of the places that I applied. And that's one of the things that I've discovered through residency uh, is tailoring your resume to what the company is kind of, or not what they're kind of looking for, but what they are looking for. Um, and now every time I apply to something, my resume is just a little bit different for each one. That doesn't mean I'm making things up or uh, it just means that I'm reorganizing the format yes. of it. And you're highlighting different aspects of yourself. Exactly. It's not like you're lying on the resume. It's no, you're, you're, you're changing what pops up first. Exactly. And let's not kid ourselves here. This is not a residency thing. This is like an all of business thing. Yeah. where you go through life, like your resume should be tailored and specific to who you're applying to. You should do research on the company that you're applying to, whether you're in business school, PT school, whatever. Same thing. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. No, you're fine. I was just, I, I agree with you going off of that. Like you really need to know if applying is worth your time because Unlike you, I applied to a lot more than four programs. I'm pretty sure I applied to seven. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, if I knew what I know now uh, compared to what I knew then, I certainly would not have applied to seven programs. Um, I did not. I did take the time to look up all the programs, but I took a more shotgun approach and just said, I want to do residency. Let's get into one. Um, but looking back on that now, <laughs> looking back on that Atta now. boy. That's what you guys have to do. No. <laughs> Throw something against the wall and see what sticks. Exactly. <laughs> um, looking back on that now, I'm very fortunate that the programs that I ultimately pursued were the ones that I was most interested in. And I, for all of the applications that I did, I had one formal interview and I knew it was the place for me and they offered me it and I accepted. Yeah, I mean... And we can take this conversation in any form or any direction, but if you, if you talk about, so you, you had that one interview, they offered it, you accepted this, this more goes into that interview side of things mm -hmm. in general. So in the interview, summarize it, give me an elevator pitch of what are they looking for in an interview? Yeah. So Really quick, 60 seconds, you're on the clock. Really quick is that they're looking that you can substantiate the claims that you made on your application in a way that is well articulated, showing that you are like visual or who you are as a person, basically. Mm -hmm. Are you a good conversationalist? Are you awkward? Is it question and answer? What is the interaction like? are you somebody they can see themselves working next to in the clinic? Yep. When it comes to what I think, the one word that I think of when I say, what do you need to do to prepare for your interview is relax. Mm -hmm. If you've gotten that far, they've broken down the 20 to 40 plus applicants for each program. Some years are even more, some years are less but 
they've broken those applicants down to, let's say the five to 10 people they want to interview. So you're, you already checked the boxes, sure, right? Like you said, they want to see if things fit and they match up, be yourself. If you write your essay and it's yourself, if you, your resume reflects who you are, if you're not lying on any of those, you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to be this extra special person. Just be yourself. And you right. said it like they have to work with you for at least a year. Yeah. <laughs> They want to yeah. like the person that's in front of them. They want somebody that's like, think about if you were interviewing somebody, guys, like it's, you would want somebody that's fun and relaxed, serious when needed and have, has a passion and has some substance behind them. But I mean, you got to have a little bit of fun too. And I'm going to preface my next statement with, I'm not by any means a interview specialist. Um, but I have had my neither am I I've had my fair share of interviews though and I can tell you from personal experience and Nick I'm sure that you can probably attest is the best interviews that I were on did not feel like interviews they felt like conversations yep yep and you know what that's what they they pepper us with here so like I was saying I was involved in this most recent round of Ohio State residency interviews and every second of the experience is an interview. Mm-hmm. It, that's, it's everything. Like, how do you interact? Are you a nice person? Do you hold the door for somebody? Are you talking uh, to the people in the waiting room before the interview? Are you just sitting there on your phone? Yeah, and obviously these aren't make or break things, but they're just like little tidbits that can take a, a tiebreaker situation like, Matt's really good. Nick's really good. Who are they going to choose? They're going to choose Matt, who's using your example, sitting on their phone all the time, not conversing when it's not necessary. They're going to choose Nick, who is conversing maybe a little bit more and putting himself out there and smiling a little bit more or whatever. Right. Just, but at the same time, if you, you get really stressed out and anxious, which I mean, personally, I do. I'm an introvert. I don't do well in like pure social situations. It takes effort for me. But at the same time, you can get over that. You can bring yourself past that. And I challenge you guys, if that's, if you're like me to do so. And I have a question to kind of keep with the main theme of our podcast here. Okay. How do you do that? Rather than just telling people to relax, what are some things that you have done that maybe other people can try? to kind of just get yourself to calm down and just be there, be in the moment. You're hitting me with a hard one. I know. I'm sorry. No, I'm really glad. I, so I've been thinking about this and it's something that I'm still practicing myself. So please, if you guys see me in person, ask me about this even more, keep helping me through this, challenge me a little bit, but I would say my most recent thought on, how do you relax? Like, how do you just do it? Like Nike said, mm-hmm. <laughs> like what's, and my biggest advice would be share your thoughts, be a real person. Mm-hmm. You're like your insecurities that you might want to keep inside are valuable to other people. It lets them give you that, give you, 
or it gives them a better insight of who you are as a person. It makes you relatable. So if I'm just sitting here like, oh, I don't want to talk or like, I'm kind of nervous here or like, I hope they don't call on me or I hope this doesn't happen. Like express those things. Those can be kind of fun. Like don't be self-demeaning towards yourself in front of others, but like, for example, I'm, let's just, again, use your example just for easiness. You're sitting in the lobby of a hotel. They're coming to pick you up for your interview. You're sitting next to another interviewee. Okay. You could be on your phone. You could do nothing. You could make small talk with the person. Um, but if you, you're like me, small talk's not your forte. I mean, but relate to them. They're feeling some similar things that you're feeling in that situation. You're both right. humans. We all share, have shared experiences. It's, it's uncanny how our minds work. So just literally take it, the focus off of yourself and just say what you want to say. You say like what you're sure. thinking. If you can be genuine, then people, even though if it's like a weird thing, people like weird people. I like sure. weird people. Those are the most interesting people. Like say what you're thinking. Come on. Yeah. Just like do something behind that and don't think too much on the words that you're saying. Right. I agree. Obviously and- filter yourself, but. I'm, gl- I'm glad you say that because that puts the method behind the madness that I do to calm myself down for interviews. Yeah. I usually go into, and, and I didn't realize that uh, why I was doing this. I just knew it helped. Okay. I always go on, go to, on. I always look to talk to somebody before the interview itself. So whether it be the receptionist that's at the front desk of the clinic that you walk into whether it's a staff PT in the clinic, whether it's another interview candidate that you're sitting next to, mm-hmm. um, or a patient. All of the interviews that I've had that have gone well, I, I've been nervous for all of them. That's a normal thing to feel. Means you care. I, right, exactly. I went out of my way to try to talk to somebody in the waiting room to just have conversation and get myself to calm down. Mm-hmm. And I think what you said is the reason why I was doing that. You're, you're putting your feelings on the table. You're putting just, you're wearing what you have on your sleeve. And because of that, people can relate to you. And when people relate to you, what happens is what you said, you calm down, you, you become more relaxed in the situation. Yep. And I know we're, we're, we're still, I know we're trying to dive into this as much as possible, but I mean, we're not psychology experts. This is, we're just scratching the surface with this. But just think on that for a little bit. I think what both me and Matt were saying, and we didn't talk about this before, we've never talked about this before, is one and the same. Mm -hmm. So take that for what it is. But if we we get back to the specifics on the, the residency interviews, Geez, where were we? We were, we were talking about what, if my elevator pitch, my elevator pitch was relax. You've made it this far. It's a big deal to make it this far. If you make it to the interview process, you are qualified for the position, right? It's just flat out what it is. 
but tell your story, explain your why, do it with calm confidence, and you've done everything that you can do. Exactly. Right? And one of the bigger things is they're not only looking to interview you, but you should be looking to interview them. Absolutely. You're going to be spending a lot of time, a lot of hard-earned effort in these situations. It has to be a good fit for them, but it also has to be a good fit for you. And one of the harder things is realizing the difference and not straying from your why. And you know what? If those two things match up, you don't even have to try. Right. Because then it just fits. It just works. And yes, I'm being optimistic. Sometimes somebody else maybe matches up a little bit more. Things don't work out all the time. But if you keep pursuing it, if you, you show your true colors, things will work out in my experience. Sure. And I think that that comes back to the point that I think I made it earlier um, is just, uh, well, you said just relax, but um, be in the moment and know your why, looking for that fit. If, If you see that it's not conversational. This is the point that I was trying to get to. Cool. I had to talk myself there. That's okay. <laughs> um, if you see that fit and through the conversations that you're having, mm-hmm. it will feel very conversational. It's not going to feel like you're getting drilled with questions. Yeah. I mean, they're not looking to, to see if you know everything again. No. Right. I think so. We, we do a uh, part of our interview process here at Ohio State. It's a whole day long interview. I don't know about you guys, but ours is a whole day. And part of that day is uh, a case review. And they sit you down with two of the, uh, the mentors or two of the, the faculty in the orthopedic program, at least. And they, they give you a case. They let you read it for a little bit and then they ask you to talk you through your thought, them through your thought process of what's going on with the case. They ask you like, what would your differential diagnosis be? What would the top diagnosis be? And then how would you proceed with treatment? Mm-hmm. Something similar to that. And they might ask you, okay. And they give you another situation where, okay, now we're two months ahead and they have X, Y, and Z symptoms now, or these symptoms are under control. Now, what would you do? They're more looking to see your process and can you reason through things? And yes, you have some background knowledge, but I'll tell you what, I got the differential wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Not you. I got it wrong. A hundred percent. I got the, the main thing. I just, t- I was nervous. I blanked a little bit. I, I didn't totally nail it and I was a little nervous about that but at the same time I showed them my my thought process behind everything the the reasoning that I had behind what I had and it worked out still in my favor yeah so again to add add some more evidence to that Drexel did something very similar to what Ohio State did Uh, and I was in the same position as you and I wasn't right on what they were looking for either, but it worked out. 
Yep. So it sounds like you have to get the uh, the case review wrong to actually get into residency. <laughs> I would I would encourage people to get it right if they can. <laughs> I would agree. I would, don't don't fight the uphill battle like both of us did. <laughs> but it's not the end of the world. That's that's the the biggest thing. Right. So what did you do when you got it wrong? Um. I I took the criticism. I was was able to think through and show them where my knowledge gap was and that I understood my knowledge gap. And at the same time, I would still be safe enough to treat the person. And I understood the basics behind it. Sure. And I think that I was, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I verbalized that I didn't know I was, it was something that I was not thinking about. Um, it was like you said, a gap in knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, but, and then I extended a, for, feedback. I basically, I said, where did you see in the thought process that I went wrong, basically? Sure. And in that point, you can really get into how are they going to be able to mentor you? Exactly. What's their mentor style like? So I think, I think that's just as important and you turn lemons into lemonade. I do like lemonade. So what, what other processes were part of your interview? Let's just, let's just leave it at the interview part first. Was it a, a group interview? Did you have multiple people in on it? Was it just one person? Yes. Yeah, so this was interview and this might change. So I can only speak to the year that I went through it. Uh, I would imagine it's, it's okay, still similar. valuable. Um, it was a group session where everyone starts together to kind of just go through the program, how things work. And then it was, I think there were like six, people in the room with me and I was the second day of interviews or um, there was another day of interviews I don't know if we went first or not but then Mm -hmm. after that group session that lasted about an hour maybe an hour and a half uh, they broke everyone and split into rooms and we kind of did like a um, speed dating thing so that we were able to talk to all of Mm. the faculty members that were involved in the so yours was more of like a one-on-one type yes style it was a bunch of one-on-one interviews what did they ask you like were they like all the same question that they ask you were they did each one was in each one in charge of asking you different questions that's what it felt like I'm not sure specifically how the structure uh like how it was designed to happen mm-hmm. but it did seem like each faculty member had a little bit of a different take that they were trying to gauge um But again, like you said, with taking advantage of the opportunity to see your fit with them, Mm -hmm. it was more conversational than it was just them asking me questions. There was a lot of opportunity for me to ask them questions. Yep. Um, And then. So so let me, let me, let me interrupt you there. What kind of questions would you ask these people? What kind of questions should people looking to interview in residency programs be looking to ask? Sure. So <laughs> I had a lot of questions um, from- a lot, of, a lot of different residency applications, a lot of questions. Right. A really kind of broke down into two categories. I think to simplify it yep. is one, fully understanding what I'm interviewing for and applying to, and that 
the information that they're giving me is consistent with the information that other people are giving me. So they they matched up from their their page online to maybe some of the questions that you ask to exactly. what what they presented to you earlier that day. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's interview one category. Them. Interview them. Is does does do they have a story? Does their yep. story all fit together? Is it congruent? To bring it back to the earlier conversation with mm -hmm. uh, what they're advertising, what their program is. That's a big thing too, because you need to be at least you want to be in a place that is in it for you right. as the resident and not in it for self gain and right. determining that isn't easy, but push that because that'll make the difference in, in your residency. From what I'm taught, I've talked to multiple different residents now from multiple different programs. And that's been a, uh, something that has come up in conversation, maybe outside of the podcast world, but at least like what their primary focus is. And sometimes people are led astray to the primary focus. So, right. And I think that that's an excellent segue into the second category of questions that Sweet. I asked them. And that is really questions gauged to determine my fit within their organization. So okay. that is, tell me what it's like working with your colleagues. Do you enjoy it? Um, how long have you been here? Uh, just questions to gauge what it's like to be a part of that organization and yep. seeing if it's something that you would also like to be a part of. Have they been a previous resident? Like, were they a previous resident? What happens to residents after they graduate? Do they stay within right. the system? Do they get the jobs that they want? Or do they just fall into these cookie cutter private practice corporate businesses that maybe they're not looking to get into, but this is what they do? Like right. understanding that is, is important. Um, I, I would say that that second category is pretty important from the sense that you want to understand who the person in front of you is, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have four different people that you know are on the faculty at least, what's, there's most likely going to be more, but let's just say four. And you do your research on their faculty beforehand and like maybe the, the research papers or their interests that they've been looking into or just what they do for professional development themselves. And you can communicate that and you can direct that. That's the key mm -hmm. is showing them that you care, but at the same time, trying to pull out does everything line up. Exactly. So are they this person that they say they are? Are they a quality mentor from that side of things? Or are they a part of the spine team? Are they going to teach you your spine lectures? But then when you bring up, oh, like I see you're in a lot of spine research. Is, is that your primary area of focus that you like? Oh, no, I like knees actually a little bit more. Yeah. It's just connect the dots a little bit. Right. But understanding, and that, that would be another key is looking into the faculty beforehand knowing who they are, knowing a little bit of their background. Sometimes it's easier said than done. Absolutely. For sure. But direct those questions. Speaking of direct, did your, was your clinic director in the interview process? Um, the clinic director that you worked at through residency? themselves were not a part of the direct interview process, but I'm pretty sure they were a part of the review process. Okay. The residency director was directly involved in that. You said you only went on one interview, correct? 
Uh, one in-person interview, correct. And then a couple over the phone. Yeah, I had one over the phone interview, one in-person interview, and I was offered, I think, one or two other interviews, but turned them down because I accepted the offer at Drexel. Okay. I, I, I went to like three or four different interviews before I decided on Ohio State, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I think I'm trying to think back and at least two of them, the clinic directors were, were present at the interview process. So okay. I, I would think another thing is understanding that you're a PT as well as a resident and sure. your staff PT as, as well as a resident. So you have to be a team player and prioritize those things just as much as maybe anything else and showing them that you're, you're going to work well with the other people at the clinic and just don't forget that. I would say that's just another one of my one of my ending interview key points. But. Yeah, and I think yeah, just to go off of that a little bit further. I mean, no like when you say know your faculty is well also know are they working in the clinics with you. So, I know with me at Drexel, all of our residency faculty were our colleagues in the clinics as well. So, we could ask some of those clinic-based questions to the residency faculty. Mm-hmm. Um as opposed to like really needing that clinic director to be there to ask those questions too. And I think that also highlights, this is a little different, but it's still on the mentor side of things. I think it also highlights maybe the differences between a a university-based academic institution versus a private practice or something where you have to find your own mentors. Cause I know that's out there as well. Um, You just can't standardize that. And you could find great mentors out there And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. It's just something you have to weigh when you're thinking about the different processes, I would think. Right. And I know we we talked about them asking us questions and us asking them questions, Mm -hmm. but I think it's also an important point. And I'm not sure if you did this, but one of the questions that I asked myself while I was was interviewing was, is this somebody that I can see myself learning from? Sure. Sure. Is this somebody that I want, I want to practice like or model some of my, my practice styles around? Exactly. Because they're not looking for, you never want to be a cookie cutter of your mentor. You want to take nope. little pieces and just be yourself because that's how I would, I would assume going forward in your career and gaining more experience, that's how you're going to get the best outcomes from that. It's just being yourself because you know what they say, you can't hide what's inside. It's true. So. That's a good point. Do you, uh, do you have anything else that you think our, our listeners should know about either the application process or the interview process? Anything that comes to mind? Any final the, parting takes? The biggest thing is just know what you want to do before you go through the process. Because if you go through the process and you're a little on the edge or you're a little undecided as if you actually want to do a residency or not, that's going to come across. Um, I'm, I will speak from personal experience that one of the people that I met while interviewing, he made it abundantly clear mm-hmm. to us that he wasn't entirely sure if he wanted to do a residency or not, and he was not selected. No, nope, that comes through. They can see that. So just know that you want to do a residency and the reasons why you want to do it before you go through the long process of applying. And guys, I don't think Matt's saying this to discourage you if you're on the fence. Cause I think at both, at certain points, both me and Matt were both very on the fence about residency. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know about you but I didn't decide that I wanted to do a residency until 
October of my third year. And like I I said, I didn't start applying until the end of October. So it was like, I didn't, before that I was going to do my thing, go through school, trying to find a job, blah, blah, blah. Until it wasn't, but it's okay to not understand where you're at. But at the same time, Maybe listen to some of our episodes, talk to other residents out there, see what the experience is like. It's not for everybody and that's okay. Right. Maybe hopefully in the future, it's going to be for everybody, but you know, that's, I digress. But at the same time, it's okay to understand it. Just if you're questioning it, it's maybe not worth all the, the blood, sweat and tears. Right. If you aren't, if you are, aren't questioning it, if you ask us, if, is it worth all the blood, sweat, and tears? Hell yeah, it is. But 100%. Also, we're biased. I would say... Just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. I would say my parting shot is, and this was a little tip that I got from hopefully a future guest, Dr. Chris Keating. He told me to select the residency, if you can, this is all in a perfect world, in the region that you see yourself ending up in and practicing in, in general. It's easiest if you see yourself staying within the company. And here's why. You make a lot of relationships. Mm-hmm. You make your, your name becomes more well-known within that region. You, you build bonds. You, you open doors with, with that residency. And it's not the worst thing in the world if you do, say, your residency in Columbus and then go work in San Antonio but at the same time, there's not a lot of collateral that comes down to Texas with you from Ohio. Other and than the name. Of other the than the, the, the name of the residency, sure. But at the same time, it's just, you make a lot of connections. And I don't know if I'm going to stay in Ohio after my fellowship, but I mean, it's making it seem like it's going to be really hard not to with all the different connections that I'm making. And sure hopefully the name for myself, I'm starting to just etch in a little bit. Now I'm not anywhere close to where I want to be, but at the same time, it's getting your foot in the door somewhere. So thinking about that, and that's not always, again, ideal. And sometimes you just want to get into a residency and that's fine too. But if you had your choice, use those words of wisdom that I was given. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Completely with you. I mean, um, yeah, I, I really can't. I think that that's an important point that is need to be said. Um, because even for me, as the example of kind of leaving Philly, I, not really. I'm still close enough. I still have the connection with Drexel. I'm still in communication with them. Um, and even PT school with Jefferson, mm-hmm. I'm still in contact with them. And I know that the company that I joined has a a relationship with Jefferson as well, and probably looking to establish a relationship with Drexel as well, because they're all in the area. And whether it was a big thing or a little thing that played a part into who you were and what credentials you carried behind your name. Yeah. So keeping that in mind. Okay. I think it was a really good conversation. I'm happy with how that went. I think we, uh, we gave our clinical pearls. And again, they're just our opinions from our experiences. We know that, but if this can help you a little bit, fantastic. We hope we could uh, be of service. Yep. With that being said, thanks everybody for listening. Peace out. Matt, we'll talk soon.
Take it easy. See you, everybody.